Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. My name is Adam Labar. I help run a couple different companies. I do various different things. And the purpose of this podcast is really just to chat about dads and entrepreneurship and kind of focus on tips, tools, tricks we use to teach our kids things that we learned as dads that help us as entrepreneurs, things we learned as entrepreneurs that help us as dads, how we kind of got onto the entrepreneur track and a little bit about that. So I figured it would be kind of fitting to bring my dad on for the very first podcast. So the first dad that I'm going to talk to is my own kind of give a little bit of background on him, tell a little bit of stories about us and just kind of see where it goes. We don't really have a, a structure for the conversation we're going to have. It's just going to be me and my dad chatting. The reason that I'm a dad is because of my dad. So it seemed to be pretty fitting to have him be the first person that I chat with on this. So a little bit about us. Well, first off, that's my dad, my dad, Tim. Say hi, dad. Uh, there he is. Like it or not, he's stuck with me. <laughs> so a little bit of background about us and dad, feel free to interrupt if I go too fast over something you want to say something, just let me know. Um, but a little bit of background about us. I was born as a military brat. My dad was Air Force. My mom was Air Force. My dad was in for what, 16 years before you broke your back? 14. 14 years? I, I broke it at 12 and then they okay. me out. 14. But 14 years in the Air Force. And then after that, we bounced around a lot, even still up in upstate New York. Dad was finding different jobs and supporting the family in the best way he could where we were at and what was going on. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was one of those things military members kind of realize this, but as a military brat, I still look back at it and go, okay, well, I have this memory. What house were we living in? Okay, we were living in this house. Okay, so that means it was this year. And that's how I remember where things were. It's just... Was it on Church Street? Was it, yeah. was it in Pennyville yeah. or was yeah. it North Dakota? You never know. So I don't remember North Dakota at all. Other than going back to visit, but you know that was kind of dad ended up becoming a correction officer in New York, and then we finally got to settle down for my last few years in school. Um, so I graduated in Central New York, and off to the military I went. So it was a big mess of moving around and figuring things out, and bouncing here and bouncing there, finding new friends, going over here to learn more about these friends, and it just—I mean—that's kind of the life I've known now forever military brat now turned military and after almost two decades of doing the military thing that's you're getting ready to move <laughs> there i go move it again right uh, why not because why not so that was an awesome trip i learned a ridiculous amount dad from you that i didn't realize i learned until much later in life right so i forgot who it was that talks about it like the path that you go with your dad that i'm going to butcher this and i don't remember exactly what it is but it's basically like you idolize your dad and then you despise your dad and then you accept your dad. And then there's one more stage there that's basically like you become your dad or you like these different stages that you have with your father, right? It took some time for me, especially like once I joined the military and to really realize what you are actually doing for us or what you did for us in the ways that you knew how. And we chatted a little bit before this that you didn't have exactly the best example for somebody to follow as a dad. 
And so that once I learned more about that, it shined such a light on who you were and how you became who you were that it was like a smack in the face to me. Like you ignorant idiot. You had no idea what your father ever went through to get to the point where he is now to get you, Adam, to the point where you're able to be a dad to a couple boys and start businesses and do all the stuff. Like, had you not made a shift from what you saw, there's no way that I would be where I'm at. So because typically we'll get into it a little bit, but typically somebody who comes from a background like yours just goes down it tends to go down the same path of abuse and all that type of stuff. But I want to turn it over to you to kind of tell a little bit of story about yourself, however it is you want to do an introduction and we can continue the chat. I never grew up with a dad. I didn't know what it meant to love a dad. Mine died before I was a year old. And then three years later, stepfather came in and there was eight of us. So I was the youngest of five boys and virtually all five of them. And you know, just like everybody else in the family, they all took pretty bad turns. When I joined the Air Force, like you, I was awakening. I said, there is a life. I mean, I joined the Air Force to get away from home. I mowed lawns as a kid to get away from home. I milked cows and worked at a drive-in to stay away from home because there was no good leading examples. I knew the Air Force would fix that. So 17, I found a different path. And then the Air Force just, ooh, it opened all of them. And I'm an Air Force dad. I mean, I have a little sign that my sister made that you know, we go where the Air Force sends us. All that traveling made me a different dad because I learned how different cultures treat their kids. Through exposure to everything. I mean, you've been in the deserts, you've been in the mountains, you've been down here in sunny Florida and Japan. It's all stuff that has made you a better dad too. And I'm kind of tickled that it's taken you over almost 40 years to figure out how tough it is to be a dad and then reflect on what I may or may not have done. Yeah. I just hope I didn't do too many things in anger because you can't take that back. Yeah. I remember one thing in particular on a golf course that made me sick for three days, but I'll never break another club. <laughs> I broke it in my life. Yeah. I never forgot that because what kind of an example am I setting as a dad? With another dad time where he's pounding down the beers like it's water on a hot day with his two sides. I see the example he's making. I just made an error. <laughs> and I fixed it and never did it again. I don't think I've ever lost my temper on the golf course since. I never had a culture. I mean, my family was all in the family. Back then, they didn't call it racist, but they were outright racist. Mm -hmm. I think my dad, my stepfather would roll over in his grave if he looked at you know, my children, his <laughs> grandchildren's spouses. And yeah. when I was listening, I have a very black son-in-law, a first-generation Cuban-American daughter-in-law, and another son-in-law that's white as rice. How more blended can you get than them three? <laughs> yep. And I love them all. I love their family and their family. You know, it's that moral compass. We're all basically in the scene. We all believe in God. And it, you know, that's grounded everybody's moral compass in the roots of this family. And it never existed outside the Catholic Church. You know, they go to church. You do something that I was never exposed to as a kid. Is you take the time to teach. Give the opportunity for them to learn. This is why you don't do this. Uh, this is why we're doing this as a family. Never had any of that. And I've seen mm -hmm. it many times. You're way better at it than I ever was. And it took me a little while to catch on, you know, to figure it all out. But as a teaching dad, you're very good at it. And it reflects in your kids. And they're teeny-weeny. Yeah. 
but they have respect for themselves and others. Whereas I didn't grow up with any of that. Yeah. You get back to molding me as a father, the combination of having a daughter, um, the politically, you know, I was scared to death. Do I really want a kid? We had hostages in Iran at the time. And we were very nearly going to war. We had Carter as president, gas lines. I mean, life was tough back then, just like it is now. How do you grasp it all? And now you're going to bring a kid into the world. Ronald Reagan became president. It was the opposite. Not necessarily that I was really heavy in the politics, but I learned. He said, pick a course. You know, you got to pick a path. And the Air Force a year later came down with... Uh, yeah, what the quality of life or it was a name for it. You used, you used to be able to get a DWI in the Air Force and still keep your job, not even get busted, just get yelled at. Smoking dope with all the Vietnam vets that I was exposed to, that was no big deal. Uh, quality force, that's what it was. Reagan brought that in in 81. And it weeded out a lot of the guys that I kind of worked with in life. Wait a minute, these guys were all drunks and druggies. No, no, that's not the path I wanted. Yeah. I always refer to Reagan a lot. He took away all the evils that I was exposed to, and, but didn't realize they were evils because I was exposed to them growing up. Yeah. And you guys never had to worry about that. That was, And that's a huge evil because it's so tempted. I mean, alcoholism ran through, through my entire family. Everyone yeah. in my family was a bartender. Hey, who's, who, who, I want to be a bartender. But it was <laughs> six days a week, you don't pay, pay for it. I didn't watch that. And I darned her in my family. Of course. Between the military exposure to the world and then corrections exposure to real life, because I brought some of the stories home. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of them to you guys. I try to keep it humorous. But all that makes dads. So that's why I kind of sort of brought politics in a little bit. You can learn a lot what's going on right now today. Is uh, are we going down the right path or not? If that's your moral compass, maybe you need a little more training, you know. Especially, and and don't spring load to automatic labeling people and then shutting out honest opinion. Yeah, you know, for a, a group that believes in science, science is science. The Bible is the Bible. They they are what they are. If they're if you're out there and you're involved, you'll know what course to take. Yeah, as long as you have a good moral compass. You'll know what course to take, and you will become that dad. It takes work. No one's going to give it to you, and you can't look inward in your family all the time. You've got to look out. Yeah. You've got to see the world to learn how to mold that clay. And it, it took the world of the Air Force to teach me everything from cultural foods to people <laughs> to needs. You know, every culture is different, and that's important when you're raising kids. And then I never realized how important until you guys grew up and graduated, went on your way. I look at the families and I say, we did it. We did it. Today, my guest is a very good friend of mine, a business partner, buddy, um, uh, anything and everything. We've we've done a lot of stuff together. Uh, Go Abundance, Mastermind, Brothers. Um, so, uh, Sergio, welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you. If you can tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into uh, being very dad focused. Cool. Thanks for having me, Adam. So, my name is Sergio Altamari. I'm based out of Philadelphia. Uh, 47 years old. Got a little girl. She's about to be six on March 11th. Um, I'm a uh, reborn 
re-careered over and over again. Uh, had spent 22 years working for the Federal Reserve, had a, a day job, uh, launched a company in the meantime. Uh, we were in self-storage syndication, moving more and more towards larger private equity. Um, my wife, daughter, and I are are very close and tight, as as you might expect. And so my whole objective in life is to find that right amount of balance between creating uh, legacy wealth and and doing what I enjoy, which is now building a company and spending as much time with uh, with my family while also doing my best to uh, create the a, a, or at least allow for my child to be you know develop her own way and kind of learn from my mistakes, um, you know things that I wish that my parents did or didn't do and. You know, along the way, just enjoy the ride and the journey. Let's let's uh, look at your dad. Um, what it, like? Tell me a little bit about the relationship between you and your dad, and how maybe that influenced how you uh, um, wanted to to be as a father. Um, as much or as little detail as you'd like to go into on that. Cool. So I'll probably get a little bit um, philosophical here because um, I, you know, my relationship with my dad has taken me on a journey of. Um, uh, self-reflection, awareness. Um, you know, my, my dad had a lot of had mental issues. My father passed away. Now it's um, it's been seven years. Just recently, I actually actually uh, uh, yeah, just recently. And so, you know, my dad is was very much raised uh, very traditional and conventional. If you look at the fundamentals of life, it's it's to survive and reproduce. And my father very much was the, the guy that reproduced, had kids, but then his focus was on surviving. And, and what that means is just working. Uh, my father was a tailor. My, my parents were Italian immigrants. And, and um, my father had, he ultimately, he had a nervous breakdown uh, in, in the 80s, uh, dealt with bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, later on at Parkinson's. Uh, he, he came from a really small village in Italy. And it was a, uh, I guess now we would call it probably more of an, a, a psychologically abusive type of upbringing where he, he, you know, it was kind of like put to work at a early age, like, uh, you know, 10, 12 years old. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what you did then. So, um, as I grew up, um, and especially in my teenage years, being in a, in a household, you know, with a father that had mental issues and whatnot, I didn't, you know, what did I know about that? It didn't it just, my dad was just strange. And, so anyway, it wasn't until I ultimately in, in my 20s developed my own anxieties, panic attacks, little, you know, disorders myself to where I became, uh, you know, was through the, the going through multiple doctors and, you know, exploring, hey, am I dying of this? Because you know, mental issue, issues manifest into physical issues. So that's what I was. That's what I experienced. And um, it was through through all that where. Um, I was kind of my, my, I have two older sisters and my, my sisters were primary, the primary ones that, that, you know, took care of 
my dad and and you know brought him my parents didn't drive so my, my parents my, my sisters took my you know dad to doctor's visits and whatever i was kind of a disconnected kid i was there was a lot of resentment there so anyway long story short it was eventually where he he developed a, a vascular disease from cigarette smoking and um it was he he ultimately had to get his leg amputated and it was at that point where kind of it was on me to kind of sign off on that because nobody else in the family would do that. That kind of forced me into kind of quickly growing up and, and assuming more of a male leadership role in the family. And I bring all this up because it was through all of those experiences and going through my own anxiety issues that number one is um, it, it brought me closer to now more so prayer and and church and and spirituality but at that time uh, understanding psychology and being more self-aware i mean i've been meditating now for 20 some years um i spend more time working on my mental issues or, or not don't want to say mental issues but my mental outlook and and being self-aware and that has translated into me Number one is is I love, like you mentioned, being a dad. Um, I, I think that that is the pinnacle of honor in life is to bring a child into the world. And then it's an obligation to nurture and raise that child, not in a controlling way, but in a way that allows you know, the child to live the way we're designed, which is in harmony with life and, and just, you know, loving life. And and I tell people all the time, like when they ask like how, how Stella, and she's still that way, I say she's perfect. I can only screw her up. And, and what I mean by that is not intentionally, but we are, you know, I mean, we are offspring of our parents. And so they we hand down the way that we think we're supposed to raise kids and do this that and the other thing in my approach and, and corinne thank god i married somebody we, have, we share the same approach is to not right it's kind of like create guardrails and the guardrails are really far and wide you're not going to fall off a cliff but you can get awfully close to it mm -hmm. and then really kind of steer and and kind of use the world as your playground um, if you will and so i i'm i use my daughter as to learn myself because she's showing what play joy un uh, you know untainted love of life it looks like and as we've gotten older um, i'm kind of working more towards getting back to that um but that's that's you know i mean i could go on and on but i, I i've learned to study my dad my parents their upbringing and try and learn and and kind of say what what are the really parts that i know that i've inherited that i'm really super proud of and then how do i pass those down while kind of tweaking those things that i'm like yeah that's 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 a part of me that i don't really like want or need i think that's unbelievably valuable to do i think that i like personally i've seen way too many parents that just they don't think about how they're parenting they don't think about they just well this is what i this is what i know how to do so this is what i do right so one of the things that i talk about in, in with coaching students with anybody is uh, the book secrets of a millionaire mind right where it's mostly talking about money but it basically is talking about where you got your framework for money like for me i got my framework for money from my parents just like i got my framework for parenting from my parents 
Yeah. I, I needed to analyze that myself to figure out how I wanted to take what was good and yep. leave what was bad. Right. Like chew the beets, spit out the bones. Right. I like, but so many people are just stuck with the whole rack of ribs. They don't chew the meat and spit out the bones. They're just like, well, this is what I've got. So this is what I'm going to do. My, my dad beat me. So I'm going to beat my kids. My dad did this. So I'm going to do like, you know, we, we can, we can set it up to where we, we stop the pattern of bad behavior and continue the patterns of good behavior. Um, mm -hmm. But you can't do that unless you start thinking about it. So, you know, that's one thing I've appreciated, you know, hearing some of your story before and, and knowing that, you know, that's one of the, I think the benefits of being around a group of guys that we're, we're, we're with is we are always trying to challenge each other to become better and critically think about what we're doing. Um, and one thing that I, I just would love for people to critically think more about is how they're being a parent, how they're being a dad, especially, right? Because I think dads are, while I'm not taking anything away from moms, dads are an extremely important part of a, of a, of a child's life. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, um, fatherless homes, uh, I don't know the statistics right off the top of my head, but fatherless homes are like the number one cause for, uh, people going to jail for people, uh, not graduating high school, all the stuff. And it's, yep. it, it's not because a mom can't do these things. It's because there's the balance of having a dad there, right. Uh, an involved dad. <laughs> Today, we have John Huber, a good friend of mine and part of the group GoBundance that you've heard me talk about before on the podcast. But John, I want you to do a quick introduction of yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what kind of business stuff you're in, and uh, tell me about your family as well. Well, thanks for having me. So my name is John, originally from New Jersey, dad of two kids, a six-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy, husband to my wife, Sana's, and we live in South Florida now by way of Los Angeles. So we lived in Los Angeles for about five years. And a fur dad too. I got a little dog named Wilbur. So family of five. I'm involved in real estate. I still have a W-2 in the data world. So I'm a techie and you know, doing my best to balance everything. Tell me a little bit about where, where you come from, maybe a little bit about your dad and some of the characteristics of your dad and you know, some that you took and some that you decided not to take. Let's hear a little bit about that. Well, I can honestly say that my upbringing has definitely shaped uh, the way that I'm a parent. Very, very interesting upbringing. <laughs> so um, I am the youngest of four. I have three older sisters um, and I was raised by a single mom. My parents got divorced when I was one. And, you know, obviously I grew up with a lot of estrogen in the house, being the only guy and the youngest. So, you know, I did crave that attention from my dad. He was around in, you know, sporadic weekends uh, in the early years. And then when I was 12, I uh, had a son. So that kind of took a lot of his time. And we really didn't see much of him for like the next eight years. And then once I became 21, 22, we became really good friends. And we actually had a really great relationship. So my upbringing was really, you know, my mom was basically my dad. But, you know, she had her own struggles of trying to provide for four kids, always working. So my oldest sister actually took on that role of a parent. So interesting upbringing with a sporadic dad growing up and, you know, my mom trying to provide and my sister being there for a lot of the guidance as well. So it was really a combination of the three that turned me into the parent that I am today. I always knew that I wanted to be a hands-on dad, you know, because I never had the parents at my basketball games, at my soccer games growing up. So I knew that when I became a dad, I was going to be extremely active, extremely hands-on, you know, because I knew that I craved that as a child, like, you know, all the other parents are at the soccer games on the sidelines, uh, bringing orange slices, you know, and I never had that. Yeah. So I did know that I wanted to be active and hands-on. 
But having the relationship later with my father, that actually helped me become a better husband. So, you know, because I realized it wasn't until I had the relationship with my father afterwards, I realized, yeah, it was never going to work between you and mom. Like they're just Mm -hmm. two different people, oil and water. Like it was just never going to happen. You know, but as a child, I didn't understand that because when you're six, seven, eight years old, you don't understand the dynamic of adults co-living or coexisting. So I realized I did have a lot of resentment growing up. Welcome to the podcast today. I have a a fantastic friend, uh, business partner, GoBundance partner, man of many talents, Aaron Velke. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell me about a bit about yourself and uh, let's let's hear about who Aaron Velke is, what you do for business, about your family, et cetera. I've got a company called Get Out of Your Own Way. So I've adopted this skill over a long, long period of time of being able to get people out of their own way. And our coaching program is for entrepreneurs that want to level up their mindset, which trickles down into their behavior, their patterns, their values, and the way they live their lifestyle. We also work with companies that are ready to up-level their leaders and ready to up-level their, their culture. So we work with both the individuals and the companies. I'm a real estate investor. I'm about a year into being a dad, 10 months in two days into being a dad. So that has colored a, a, a rather simple world. Business is certainly a lot of fun, but it has really added a, a dimension to my life that's pretty significant. I've had uh, a lot of different hats that I've worn over the, the course of my life. Man, I've, I was a soccer coach and a personal trainer for many, many years, over a decade. I published a book on that called Let Her Play in 2020. I've done apartment management. I was a, a painter for about two years where I was producing acrylic on canvas and creating these like abstract paintings to go in cafes and in homes and doing custom pieces for people. I like to write. I produce a lot on social media. I like to speak and share across the US. And and uh, at heart, I'm a traveler that loves to wander the world and take in culture and learn about the way that, that people are. I'm fascinated by people and I've now made that my passion and my my venture. So dude, I've got a, a very, very jagged history across uh, many different pursuits in my life. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about your your background. Um, like who who was Aaron Velke growing up? A little bit about maybe your dad and and how he in, impacted you um, uh, to be where you are now. Whether it's in business as a father or whatever it is. So tell me a little bit about the history side of uh, Aaron. So we grew up in at least for, for what I remember from I'd say early or maybe late elementary school all the way through high school in a part of Maryland where we were at the junction of a lot of different areas together. So I went to a school in PG County called High Point High School and and, uh, a middle school called Martin Luther King Jr. Very, very diverse area. And my dad being a demolition entrepreneur, did a lot of work in DC, came up to Baltimore. We did work down in Quantico, uh, different Air Force bases, all kinds of things. So his career was, was largely one that kept him very busy. Mm-hmm. He he worked really hard, man. Those jobs started at you know sometimes four or five in the morning. They went till three. He would come home and then he'd do plans. You know, once I got settled and and situated, but he was a hard worker. And starting from the age of six or seven, I was a worker too. It wasn't a job, but he took every home that he ever bought 
and made it way better. He was always taking out walls and adding on decks and you know, changing windows out and resizing things. We turned a carport into a, a another whole room. We we knocked out a brick wall and put a deck on the back of the, the house. So I've been around that my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think looking back, there are really two things that he taught me without ever sitting me down and teaching me. One was constantly improve. And again, he, I don't think he ever intended to teach me that. That's just what he did. Constantly improve the place that he lived in constantly try to grow the business. And then he also taught me to, to work really hard. Like my, my work ethic came from watching him, I think, and, and seeing him. And, and most of that comes unconsciously because, I, I, again, I didn't notice it. I knew he was working. That industry takes a toll on you too and you know, wrecked his body. He, he never learned to take care of himself mentally or physically or emotionally. But what he taught me from his profession was still very valuable. I mean, those, those were like, skills that matter. But I grew up playing soccer. I grew up uh, doing stuff with my dad. I grew up in the Boy Scouts, which at the time wasn't nearly as cool as playing soccer. So I was always torn. <laughs> I was like, yeah. man, this isn't cool. And then soccer's cool. Like, I just want to skew. But by the time I was you know, 14, uh, like getting into high school, I, I guess I was probably 13 getting into high school because I have a late birthday. But getting into high school, like, I had some pretty good skills with my hands. I could fix stuff. Mm-hmm. We'd been outside. We'd been camping. I was around the outdoors a lot. Um, I got to just see and experience a lot. And my dad was often gone from the home. Like he was just working so much. So my my upbringing was largely at the hands of my mom, but it was taught by the the work of my father. Mm-hmm. And through high school, I was really isolated. I was like every part about me was awkward. So not much has changed, but <laughs> the, that's true. That's very true. The, the, confirmed by Adam. So when the host is, can confirm it, you know, it's true. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I was lanky. I was, uh, I was intelligent, but I was shy. I was good at school and that was natural for picking on. I, I was awkward looking. I was awkwardly, I was like growing funny, like just nothing really fit yet. And high school was a really difficult journey. High school, I was picked on a lot. I was bullied a lot. I was, I just like, I didn't fit. I didn't fit in anything. I was in a school where the, the way that the area pulled in, this is probably the most, the best experience that I could ever have. The way the school was pulling from different areas, the way that diversity was represented in the school was completely opposite of the rest of the world. There were very few white individuals there. There were individuals from Trinidad, Tobago, from Africa, African-Americans. There were Latinos. There were some Spaniards. There were South Americans. Like It was just such a diverse place. And it's probably the thing I'm most grateful for in my childhood. And I don't know that my parents ever like intentionally created that, but it was a, it was a beautiful mixing pot. And even though I felt very different, I also got to see culture. I got to see so much happen in in that four years. I got to be a part of like these like Caribbean cookouts. I got to take part in these uh, like Argentinian like host game celebrations. We we played the drums like the empty water coolers on the way back from soccer games that we had won, and it was just it was just a different experience than what most people got. 
And I didn't, I didn't recognize that at the time that it was diverse. That's just how I thought mm-hmm. the world was, that we were all different and we were all coming together. And you know, my dad grew up at a time where that wasn't the case. So I was kind of getting information from a lot of different sides about like how, how the world works. And in high school, I think what I learned the most was that, and this is a skill that I learned directly from my dad. I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to talk to anybody. And he was just such a good, like charming, friendly person underneath all of the exteriors that he wore. He was a, 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 a comic that would talk to the person at the grocery store and like make them chuckle and pass a joke on and kind of make fun in light of himself and others in a, in a really healthy way. And, and I, I learned to do that in high school. I learned to connect with people and, and that that young version of Aaron was really damaged, really afraid, really disconnected, but also had a, a really solid foundation of like being able to handle challenge and what life threw at him. We got Frank Small and a good friend of mine, and also uh, as with a couple of the previous folks you guys have heard, a GoBundance uh, member as well. Um, Frank and I have actually, uh, we've known each other quite a bit for quite a while. So uh, um, Frank, why don't you, uh, I mean, obviously for, for me, I already know quite a bit about you, but uh, if you can explain a little bit about who you are, um, uh, your background, both uh, uh, business and as a dad, um, and then we'll uh, kind of just keep the conversation rolling from there. Thanks for having me. Um, this is my first podcast, so I'm excited about it. Woo-hoo! I've got a wife and two kids and an eight-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. I live near Annapolis, Maryland, the actual name of the town I live in is Davidsonville. My, my business is in, in Crofton, Maryland. And um, so I, I run a, a few businesses uh, here in this area. One is a, a manufacturer's rep firm that sells commercial industrial heating equipment. Another one is, uh, that one's called United Energy Products. And the other company is a company that installs the chimney products we sell boilers, water heaters, restock generators, and, and other applications. That's based here in Maryland. I also have uh, three companies, one in Florida and one Texas one company that sells the, the, the chimney products that we that we um that we sell here. So we we're, we're that's brand new. It's about 18 months old. We're really building that up. I've got a partner in those endeavors and um and he handles most of that. I grew up playing lacrosse my whole life, well at least through college. Mm-hmm. Um, my son's playing lacrosse and soccer now. My daughter is um, is not really into sports, which is is nice for not having to drive her around. Like I see all these other families have multiple kids, but it's also cool seeing her do something different because I was was an athlete and so the singing and the dancing and the drawing and painting and all the stuff she likes to do uh, is is new and, and definitely uh, interesting to see something new and different. I feel like I had a great dad. I was very lucky. Um, he was involved in man everything I did. I feel like everything from I didn't do Boy Scouts. We did something called Why Indian Guides, and he was in that. I remember him being at the meetings and the and the camping trips. He coached like every sport of mine, probably except for basketball. Um, and he he was my lacrosse coach all through youth sports. Um, he never played lacrosse. Well, he did. He was on a, a team, like a, a club kind of team in, in college, and. It's, he didn't play in high school, so um, he was really just on the team to be on the team. But he always loved lacrosse, and so he just dove headfirst into to learning the sport so he could he could coach me and my brothers. Um, and, and my dad, 
started our business probably when I was like nine. Um, I never really was around it until I graduated from college. It was it was small and, and it didn't really have any, anything for me to come do. I didn't you know people ask me all the time if I worked in it. In high school and college, I didn't. There, you know, there really wasn't. It was small, and you know, there wasn't enough money to go around to, <laughs> to keep a high school and college kid uh, employed over the summers. Um, but the uh, you know, my, my my growing up, my my parents were great. Like one thing I remember about my dad is he, he was always there. He never missed um, any sporting events, any school things. Uh, he didn't have to travel a lot for work. I think when I was younger, and, and you know, like. Four, five, six, seven, maybe he did, but I don't remember that. Um, but he, because he started a business and it was a local business, um, just calling the local co- contractors and stuff, he, he was around everything. And then um, even into college, like, um, which I'm amazed now that I'm actually working. Like, you know, I, I played lacrosse, I played all four years, probably played in like 60 games. Um, and he probably made it to over 50 games, 50 of the 60 games. He would, he would go to, you know, it would travel hours with my mom and I'm saying also with my dad. Um, but they both, they would, they would go all over and they would watch our games. And, um, you know, there weren't, weren't as many parents that were there for everything. So they're always very supportive. They, you know, they, they start a business, you know, you don't, you don't have a lot of money. Right. Um, you know, they always found a way to put me into, uh, you know, good schools. Um, I went to private school uh, you know, first to, to 12th grade into a private college. So, um, and they weren't, you know, I would say the first generation works hard. The second generation takes it to the, to the next level. And the third generation spoiled, they come in and, and yeah. ruin it. Right. So yeah. he was first, that first generation, like they didn't have the, the, the wealth and, you know, that, that I'm fortunate enough to have because, because of all their efforts. Mm-hmm. So it was, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I had a very, very, you know, good childhood and, and good college experience. And then coming out, I was lucky to work for my dad with my dad for about 20 years. Um, I, I learned a lot from him over that 20 years. Um, some things to do and some things not to do, right? <laughs> so, um, but it was, you know, I, I, I'm lucky to have the dad I have. Um, we, we get along great. Um, and if he was my generation, we'd, we'd probably be best friends. <laughs> So uh, Joe Wexler on the podcast, uh, he is a, a good buddy in, uh, in Go Abundance, as you guys are getting inf- uh, intimately familiar with if you've listened to multiple of my episodes. But um, Joe, I want you to, to start kind of just give me a little bit of background on you, um, your family. Joe Wexler, I live in Charleston, South Carolina. been married to Sarah. That we're coming up on 15 years this fall, so suddenly 15 years. Um, I've got... We have a 10-year-old son named Ben and an 8-year-old daughter named Genevieve. And as you can imagine, those ages are very busy. And uh, we're fortunate to be able to put a lot of energy towards them. So I'll get into all that in a second. For a career, I do. I own a handful of small businesses. Um, I spent a lot of my time before we had kids in management consulting. And I was traveling all over the world um, 100% of the time. And once kids started coming, realized that wasn't really uh, sustainable for the way we wanted to live as parents, specifically me. My parents got divorced when I was five, um, lived separately. Uh, We did like the every other weekend and one weekend a month kind of thing for a Mm -hmm. while after my mother got remarried. My mother got remarried. That introduced another father figure into my house. They were very, very different people. Um, 
so my dad sort of um, laid back and a little bit more passive about things, whereas my stepfather was 100% Italian, off the boat, like hard charger, pretty rough around the edges. And I learned a lot from both of them, to be honest. Like my stepfather um, and I bonded pretty well. Um, we did a lot of chores around the house together. We went skiing together. He was very hard on us, but uh, also took very good care of us. Um, so it was a different, totally different relationship. Definitely not my dad, but uh, one of mutual respect, I think. Uh, at least for me. My sister had a little bit of a different experience, I think, um, at least the way she remembers it. My mom and stepfather actually ended up splitting as well um, when I was in high school. So that got ripped up. They had a couple of kids together, two boys, uh, my, my brothers. One of them passed away uh, when he was three. He drowned, and that sort of put up. Yeah, I <laughs> mean losing a child i mean it's crazy the anniversary was actually early this week 30 years ago um and i was with my other brother who lives in colorado so we had all, all pretty tight but very like interesting things that happened throughout childhood um when i went away to college by the time i went away to college i was pretty much independent in a lot of different things i mean i I couldn't rely on on my parents financially, which was fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, not, that's not a complaint. It's just the way it was. Um, so I was financially independent from the time I was like 15 or 16, uh, except for the roof over my head in high school. Um, and, you know, it feels like it had been a couple of years of distance with, between me and my dad that I realized at some point I had to be patched. And I sort of had to take the initiative to do that uh, and it wasn't like there was any event that there was a falling out but there was just disengagement and i was growing up right i mean mm -hmm. late teens early 20s you're out doing your own things um, there was again the financial aspect where i wasn't getting any help so um but honestly when i you know probably 20 years old 21 years old i just kind of made made it a point to reconnect and and engage with him um more frequently and he was right there to, to do it it wasn't um but I kind of had to be the one leading it. So how any of that in influences the way I'm a dad, I have no idea, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. Where do you want to no. go with all that? That's uh, uh, quite the, quite the upbringing going through all of that. I would imagine. So, uh, I don't know. I, I would say that there's almost no way that it doesn't influence you. Right. Cause your, your previous experiences, you know, there's, I don't remember who I was, listening to but they're talking about like this conversation between you and me is not a conversation between you and me it's a conversation um between me and everybody else i've ever interacted with and you and everybody else you've interacted with and like how we were raised and all the stuff so like we're looking through things from that lens all the time so you're going to be looking through things from um your stepfather's lens from your father's lens from the you know loss of a little brother to all sorts of stuff i would imagine so um the influence it the the more we analyze and dig deep the I think the the more we find the influences, it's just a matter of you know how much we're we're digging into it. But you mentioned connecting with your father in the in your twenties, reconnecting back with your father. Now it, it doesn't sound like from what you're saying that there was like a a problem or like issues that you guys weren't talking, just that you weren't really connected. So uh, tell me a bit like. When you guys reconnected, like, did it feel like it was, you know, just like it used to be? Or, I mean, I don't know if it was like a, we just never, we didn't talk for five years or, or you know, just some text messages back and forth here and there, or if it was just like a, 
um, yeah. literally estranged. Like what, what kind of, what did that look like? Yeah, it, it wasn't estranged and it wasn't like we hadn't talked and this was before cell phones. So mm -hmm. text texting wasn't a thing, um, which maybe would have made it easier to be honest. Uh, you know, you had to pick up the phone. I had to be in my yeah. room. Uh, he had to be at his house. Email wasn't even really that ubiquitous yet. So, um, it makes me sound super old, but all, <laughs> all true. I mean, I'm sure you remember it, but very much so. Yeah. So I think it was more, it wasn't as if like I had to go back and fix anything. It's just that I had to start being intentional about it. Mm -hmm. and, he, and if he ever felt like we had lost the step, he never articulated that to me. I said he was, he was there. He was like, cool. Yeah. As soon as I started engaging, it's not like I had to pull him along. It was, it was easy. And, you know, we've been obviously like, you know, you get through college and then I was traveling, I went to grad school, I lived abroad for a while, getting married, all those things. He was part of it, but not necessarily day to day. It's really only the last mm -hmm. few years when he moved um, into the same city we are where it's been more regular. But yeah, it's awesome. since then it's been solid. So do you take that intentionality? Like, I mean, you were intentional to reach out to your father. Do you take that same intentionality, which, you know, I, I know a little bit about you, so I'm assuming the answer to this, but uh, do you take that same intentionality when it comes to, to your kids um, to kind of make, make sure that you are an intentional father in their life? Yeah. I mean, and what does that look like? 1000%. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to hear all your other guests talk about this too, because I will always learn better ways or different ways to go about that. There's just a million quotes you could say, like, what, 20 years from now, the only people that are going to remember you work later, your kids, you know, things like mm -hmm. that. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I focus so much of my energy every day on being present when they're around and, and being intentional about being here when they're when they're around yeah. um, and, and stepping away. Now, I'm not perfect at it by any stretch, but um, without that intentionality, I'd be afraid of what it what it would look like, especially with all the access we have on for sure. and like connectivity and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, super intentional and, and try new things all the time. Like, um, I think I put on my, my goals for the year on the one sheet and other places, you know, no cell phone, uh, or cell phone use only between the hours of 8 AM and 4 PM, which is their time when they're at school. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that bleeds to 5 p.m. depending on uh, the day, and then and then again after like 8:30 p.m. Right, so waking up with them in the morning, uh, being here for breakfast, for school bus, for shuttle transportation back into school, mm -hmm. and then being able to engage in work, and then being here as many times as I can when they get home from school, do an afternoon snack and playing with them until. Uh, you know, through dinner and all that. So, I mean, that's super intentional about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The intentionality thing, you know, it, if you're intentional in one part of your life, you tend to be intentional in other parts of your life, you know? And I think that's it. Where do you think you pick that up? Cause like listening to your background, like you didn't necessarily have that, you know, growing up through high school and into college, it sounded like, I don't know where, where do you think you picked up the, the intentionality um, part of your life? Right. Cause that seems to be important now. We have on uh, a fantastic guest, a, uh, a dad, a father of two kids, um, Courtney Atkinson. Uh, thank you so very much for joining me, Courtney. So 
if you can tell us uh, a little about yourself, um, a little background on your family, and then I'd love for you to, to kind of dive in on uh, on where you came from. Like, give us a little bit of background on your dad and how how uh, he impacted where you are today. Yeah, I'm a real estate team leader. We have a team of a little over 50 agents in three markets. Um, pretty big team by volume. You know, we'll sell a couple hundred million a year. Um, also have a coaching company for for real estate agents, brokers, team leaders. I've been doing that for a good amount of time and uh, having a lot of fun at the man. Like I, my, my biggest hope is that, uh, you know, my young kids, Carson and Conrad are now six and a half and eight, uh, you know, want to be in that business and that I can create a business that they might be, uh, you know, desirous of stepping into. So that's kind of my primary objective. I love the work that I do and, uh, they're excited about the prospect of, of maybe being business owners one day. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to, you know, inspire them to be entrepreneurs and, you know, growing up, man, uh, I, I kind of one of the most constant images I have of my dad is going door to door, raising money for charity, just hustling for Rotary Club or for whatever it was just to, you know, to, to build funds for community projects, whether it be, uh, you know, tennis courts or parks or, you know, whatever it was that uh, they happened to be working on at the time. And I remember going out on evening nights and weekend. Uh, with him doing that and just always had this like tremendous sense of community and, and, um, you know, it was always like a, a civic advocate and, you know, always volunteering. And so I think that was in him from a very young age, being, you know, a farm boy from the, you know, from the sticks where you really depended on, on your community to come together and support you in times of hardship, which there were many back in those days. And, uh, I think he carried that forward in his, many ways as he could with his limited income being a teacher, but he was quite Mm -hmm. successful as a high school principal and then ultimately retired. And um, now he's having a great time selling cars and we share that passion as well. So I mean, there's a gazillion stories in there as most of us have over the years. Uh, You know, I've left out the part where I had an overdose at at the age of 12. I left out the part where I got caught with drugs a bunch of times. I left out the part where I crashed a bunch of cars. You know, I've left out a lot of parts in there, but the fact is, is my dad uh, was a heck of a man during all those times. Today's guest is a uh, a good buddy of mine, Camille. Um, I've known Camille for maybe three years, something like that. Uh, I have loved Camille watching you as a dad, like we were saying right right before the recording started. Um, uh, You've got two beautiful daughters. It's just a fun family to watch and be around. So um, I want to kind of let the audience get to know you a little bit, have a good conversation with you, chatting about you know business and dadhood. But uh, first, tell us a little bit about your family, um, introduce your family and yourself to everybody, and we'll start from there. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and an, uh, and an honor, Adam. So thank you so much um, for thinking me in this in this aspect of life and yes. journey. So awesome. Uh, so I am married. Uh, so I'm a Polish immigrant. Uh, married to Patricia. We, uh, she's also Polish. We've met here in the States though, since 04, we got married, but we've been together since about 97. She thinks 96. I'm convinced it was 97 because that 96 <laughs> year was wild for me. There's no way I was already in a relationship. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, but yeah, not really. So, yes. not really. <laughs> So quite a bit of time with my lovely Patricia. Uh, we've had Natalia um, uh, in 2007, so she's 16 now, and then Nell. So two girls. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have like any 
wishes around having boys versus versus girls. I just kind of took it as it was. I was just excited to be a dad, and and those two munchkins showed up, and and the adventure of fatherhood was just uh, for me. It uh, it was amazing. It still is, actually. You know, obviously. So yeah, that's that's our family unit. That's awesome. Yeah, watching you and uh, your daughters. Uh, there was one fan abundance thing because uh, uh, that that you guys did like that dance, the dance yeah. thing, and it was phenomenal to watch. Uh, so yeah. you you uh, you pull the girl dad off thing pretty well. Like I was, I was telling you, I'm going to have to give you a call through all the moments because uh, <laughs> since we just had our girl eight weeks ago, it's like I don't. I don't know what the heck I'm going to do now. You know, like, <laughs> even even changing a diaper, I had to phone a friend and be like, "I don't know what the heck I'm doing here. This is ridiculous." But uh, so it's all yeah. I have is boys. But um, right, so tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your dad. This is actually something I don't any, know anything about you at all. Any of your uh, the background of that front? But tell me a little bit about your dad and your upbringing a little bit, so I can kind of start with the uh, the basics there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I grew up in a village, actually, very tiny little village in the southeast region of Poland, right there where uh, Ukraine is now in Slovakia. So it was a border of Russia and uh, Slovakia back in the day. And my childhood was amazing um, because, you know, you live out there, there's there's just freedom. You know, very little adult supervision. You're, you're climbing trees, swimming rivers. It was amazing. Uh, my dad met my mom because he got stationed there. He was in the army. And, uh, we then moved to a bit of a, a larger town slash smaller city about an hour bus ride away from the village. So I was there between eight and 13. And at 13, I came to the, to, to, to the States. So. So overall, you know, very kind of lower middle class. Uh, that that was not uh, there was no there was no classes of that sort in Poland because it was mm-hmm. communism. Everybody was equal, so everybody mm-hmm. was whatever class. And then after uh, communism felt, we you know we tried. My dad had a good job. He was uh, an attorney ish because he didn't work private sector. He worked uh, corporate. Um, my mom was a teacher, um, had a, had a good relationship with both of them. Then my mom left to America in 1990. So I'm 10 years old. My brother's 12 and next, next three years between 90 and 93, before we left to America, it was just us and and my dad. So I'm, we actually never really sat down and like talked about those times with my dad. But if I had to guess, he was freaking figuring it out the best he could um because it was it was uh it was sketchy at at points Mm -hmm. uh but it made me grow up faster it made my brother grow up faster um yeah like i said he did the best we could we he took us camping um we we've yeah we've we we were still close to my grandma so we spent weekends there so there was still that whole family connection family unit um and um Overall, the Polish culture, like the Eastern European culture, there isn't, um, there isn't the the, 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 the emotions are not so evident between Mm -hmm. parents, kids, families, like you don't say I love you to each other, you don't hug it out that much at all. so, so that's the culture I was brought up, but there was love in the household, no, no doubt about it. 
Yeah. Um, we, yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and those three years when we were by ourselves, uh, like I said, there were some sketchy moments, but, uh, but nothing, um, nothing that would, uh, you know, that would consider like dramatic, dramatic yeah. one or two incidences. Um, but, um, yeah, he was good. He was good. And, and now, now I go to see him every two years and, and we have a great relationship. I mean, we're men, so we don't call each other every other day, you know, <laughs> but we'll touch base once every six months and then I'll go see him for a couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, I, I would say, um, positive, good influence. He was a martial, martial artist. I took that away. Mm -hmm. I'm a long life martial artist. So, so it, he was a very good and positive influence, whether it was some of these shady, not shady, sketchy situations, but still gave empowered me to be a man at an earlier age, which I consider a benefit. I consider that a, a part of the journey on a positive side or his, uh, you know, or the times he took us camping and, and hung out and, 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 and was a great dad. He always was a great dad, but, 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 you know, even more so. Um, so overall, very positive. But we have on Tim Vest. He's an entrepreneur, a dad. Let's start off just, uh, Tim, you telling us a little bit about yourself, telling everybody uh, who it is that we're talking to today, um, your family, your business or businesses in your case, and then uh, we'll kind of go from there. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so Tim Vest, uh, got a few different things that I do. Um, I have a company called Harvest Properties Group that I founded a while back. Um, it does, uh, we purchase and operate real estate, uh, mostly, mostly in the multifamily and triple net space, um, and primarily in the Carolinas since that's where I'm located. Um, so North, South Carolina and Georgia is where we mostly do what we do. Um, I'm also a co-founder of Making Moves Real Estate Coaching with my business partner, Tim Vitale. Um, and uh, we uh, we coach uh, we coach folks on real estate, kind of getting that first big deal across the finish line, if you will. Um, and then uh, one of the other things that I own, uh, so I, I have a, a podcast and a small group uh, called Barbaric Yacht that uh, I founded. Um, that's focused on just kind of you know working with folks, kind of getting through. Um, uh, through the entrepreneur world and kind of uh, making your own voice known. I uh, always like to ask is uh, to tell us a little bit about your dad, kind of how you grew up. Um, you know, uh, uh, one of the things that, that I, I, I like to think through is um, we all have kind of a wireframe in our brain uh, that was built over the years of us living. And anytime an experience happens, we go back to that wireframe and whether that's good or bad, you know, sometimes we have to adjust it, but like, where did your wireframe start? How did you kind of, um, start your, uh, your fatherhood experience by dealing with your father? Tell me a little bit about growing up with your dad. Yeah. So, uh, so my, my dad's a, a Carolina guy, like, it, you know, our family's been in the Carolinas since the early 1800s. Um, my dad grew up on the farm. Uh, his parents were, were rather poor, um, sharecroppers. Um, you know, he, he used to drive us around and show us the houses he grew up in, which were really like sheds or small one room barns and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, you know, <clears throat> as a kid, I can remember kind of driving around the roads in North Carolina and, and having my dad show me these things. And then I started to develop a real understanding of the kind of guy it was right. You know, he went to some small school. I think he was 15th out of 16 kids who graduated. <laughs> um, you know, and he would have told you, hey, without without my mom, he would have never gone off to college. He just didn't have that 
that that wasn't a goal for him, right? Like that wasn't even something he thought was possible, but he was first person in his class, you know, first person in his family, go to college. Uh, same thing with my mom. And, you know, my dad was, uh, my dad was an extremely hard worker. Um, you know, for a guy that graduated 15th at a very small high school, he, um, uh, out of 16 kids, you know, he ended up with, uh, oh man, he ended up with like three bachelor degrees, two graduate oh. degrees. He, he, uh, he had a degree from Carson Newman in the seminary. Uh, he was a, he was a Southern Baptist minister for quite some time. Uh, he was involved with the police force. Uh, he was a police officer and then he ended up being a, a teacher, um, wow. you know, for, for most of the time that I spent with him. Uh, he was a teacher uh, in the vocational programs. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people know that schools used to have high schools mm -hmm. used to have vocational programs where they would teach kids how to be a mechanic, work on washing machines, you know, that kind of stuff. So my dad would help kids find jobs. You know, the kids that probably weren't going off to college, he would kind of educate them on those types of things and then help them uh, get some sort of vocational track going on. Um my dad was always really, really strongly uh, involved with the community, uh, always involved with the church. Um, you know, he was he was the kind of guy like that. Uh, he would leave on Saturdays at like 10 a.m. to go check the mail where I check the mail. The post office was two miles from our house. And four hours later, he'd come home, uh, you know, and it's because he'd stop at the post office, talk to the guy behind the counter for mm -hmm. an hour and went somewhere else and somebody else talked to him, you know, and he just that's just that's just the kind of guy it was. Um, so, you know, I grew up, I grew up seeing that. And then the other thing I grew up with is, um, you know, my buddies used to kid me cause we would, uh, they'd ask me about, Hey, did you see Looney Tunes or whatever on Saturday? I'm like, man, I don't watch cartoons on Saturday. My dad gets me out of bed at like 6am and we're in the woods cutting wood and, and splitting mm -hmm. firewood for people and delivering loads of wood. Um, we didn't have, you know, my parents were teachers, so we didn't have much, um, and that was like one of the ways my dad made money, um, you know, doing wood. We'd go down to the, uh, the beach, the North Carolina beaches in the summer and build decks for people to make extra money. Mm -hmm. Um, we would do kind of like small little side construction jobs around town to make extra money. And, and, you know, it was that kind of stuff that I think, um, kind of started to develop my entrepreneurial side to develop my little side hustle side too, mm -hmm. um, as well. Um, I've always looked for, you know, because of that, I've always been looking for like different ways to like supplement income or like, Hey, I can do this over here and make a couple hundred bucks. Um, but you know, it also taught me, I learned a lot of things too. Growing up, I learned how to cut wood. I learned how to build decks. I learned how to, you know, frame, you know, do framing, do drywall. You know, oddly enough, my dad used to stick me with the drywall work, <laughs> um, you know, we'd, we'd put the drywall up and then we'd mud it and he'd, mm -hmm. he'd say, you know, I'm getting ready to run to the store. Why don't you start sanding? And, <laughs> you know, he'd come back two hours later, I'm covered head to toe and uh -huh. drywall dust. And, and I'm like, I guess I'm done, you know, like, <laughs> that's funny. And, but, uh, you know, so, you know, we used to do that kind of stuff all the time. Um, you know, one of the other things I saw, I was a little young for this, but I do remember it is, you know, again, I mentioned we didn't have a whole lot. We were pretty poor. My dad, my dad wanted, you know, us to have our own home. Um, so he bought, he, he bought these books. I still have them in, you know, my other office in my house. It was these construction books and it's like 22 volumes. And he read these books and then built our house from the ground wow. up. 
um, it was a basically a summer project, a little bit longer than one summer. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when school got out, he started, we started digging the holes, started digging the place for the foundation. And then he started laying bricks and we literally the house I grew up in, my dad built. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the guy he was. Um, he and I were really, 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 really close. Um, unfortunately, uh, my senior year of high school, right about a week before Christmas, my dad passed away. Um, and you know, that was, you know, if we're talking about, uh, you know, something that kind of shows how close we were, um, you know, it was, a it was a pretty, it was a pretty hard time for me. Um, I went off, I always tell folks, you know, I, probably one of the biggest mistakes I made was going off to college that first year. Cause man, I was not in the right headspace for that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, um, that's kind of the relation, you know, it's kind of speaks a little bit to the relationship I had with my dad. I carry a lot of that forward though. You know, like when I'm doing, when I'm doing real estate stuff, some of the flipping I've done, some of the stuff I've done in my own house, you know, I've done a lot of that stuff because, because he taught it to me, right? Like, yeah. I, I learned that from him. Um, and, and you know, uh, he was he was one of those guys that I would kind of say to him, I used to get really frustrated with him. I would be like, man, I need to change the oil in my car. And he'd go, he'd go well, go change the oil in your car, you know? And uh, I'd go outside and start, and ultimately, you know, I'd run into something I couldn't do. Um, and that's when he would come out and help. But he was mm -hmm. always kind of one of those guys, like, you go try, and when you run into a roadblock, I'll help you. Right. Yeah. Um, but he always kind of wanted that. He always kind of wanted you to have that. I'm going to start. I want you to try to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'm here to help if you, if you run into something you can't do. So I think that awesome. probably sums it up. <laughs> yeah. That, that's uh that's incredible. So I, I see, uh, sarcastically stating, um, uh, you you certainly didn't learn hard work ethic from your father, right? Like, <laughs> good discouragement. That, that, that is insane. Like, man, that guy. So so when my brother, my oldest brother, went off to college, um, my dad was was he was teaching. You know, seven to three o'clock. He would come home, grab a couple hours of sleep, and then he would head off to the bag plant. And he was a third chef manager at the bag plant near our house. And he would basically work from, uh, you know, like, I think it was like 1030 or 11 to 630 or seven in the morning, then leave straight from there and go teach for the day. Um, wow. and it was, it was all to make money to help my brother get through school. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I learned, I learned quite a bit about work ethic from him. Yeah, no that's kidding. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, I, I think that, I don't know, it, it's one of those that I, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, well, how am I going to get my kid to have this hard work ethic and do all these things? And, um, especially given the environment. So I grew up in a, a rather, um, uh, I don't want to say poor, but we certainly did not have money growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yep. and then, so my kids are going to be growing up in a different life, uh, um, you know, than than I grew up in. So like teaching the work ethic stuff. So, I mean, I'm not putting up as much drywall. <laughs> I'm not changing the oil the way I used to. I'm not sure. doing a lot of this stuff. So it's like, boy, those are such good skills for me to learn. And, and, you know, so like, how do I build that into my kid's life? And, um, I don't know, it's a, uh, one of those, that's a constant battle in my brain on what, what I do want to include and what I don't want to include in my kid's life. <laughs>
Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. Today, I have a, uh, a fellow military friend of mine, as well as uh, a business owner, um, you know, uh, real estate, uh, real estate guy, just all around awesome dude in GoBundance as well. But Doug Spence is with us today. I want to uh, let him introduce himself. Doug, please just kind of say hello, uh, introduce your family, uh, who you are, a little bit of background on you and your business, and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go from there. My name is Doug Spence. I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Did my undergrad at Baylor University, and then uh, joined the Navy back in 2009. Uh, was a uh, aviation guy, so went to flight school for a couple of years in Pensacola, and then uh, selected Super Hornets and went out to Lamore, California for a year. Then moved out to Japan for three years, did three carrier deployments. Uh, then uh, moved to Pensacola, Florida, to be a flight instructor. Did that for three years, uh, which is also where I met my wife, Kate. Uh, she is a Navy JAG. We're both uh, active duty Navy. Um, and then moved to San Diego in December of 2018. Uh, was at SEAL Team 3 for two years, uh, running their JTAC program, so Joint Terminal Attack Controller. For those of you that aren't in the military, it's basically how you uh, bring, bring effects from aircraft onto the ground or artillery onto the ground um, or, or the surface. Because it could be on the, on the ocean as well. Uh, and then now I'm back at a, an aviation command now, a non-flying aviation command uh, doing a, a department head tour now here in San Diego. We've been in San Diego for four and a half years now. Um, and then I got into real estate back in 2016 when I was in Pensacola. So that's where I bought my first property, really where I got addicted to real estate. And I've yes. been uh, surrounding myself with people that feed that addiction ever since. So it's only gotten worse, right? Uh, and just been doing real estate on the side while I'm uh, active duty. And then we have a, our son, Calvin. Uh, he was born on Cinco de Mayo uh, 2022, last year. So he's a uh, little over a year now. Nice. And he's he's awesome. And so now just, you know, uh, juggling uh, being a dad, being a husband, you know, Navy guy, real estate investor, all that stuff. So, but it's been, it's been great. It's been uh, quite a journey. Tell me a little bit about your dad, your upbringing, kind of how that... Uh how that kind of brought you to where you are now, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you, uh, whatever you want to share with the, the beginning parts of all this, how it started. Yeah. So, um, overall, you know, good upbringing. Um, my parents divorced when I was 11. Uh, and so there was, you know, the whole going from house to house thing, but I think my parents handled it pretty well. Um, you know, we, um, it was, you know, not too, you know, traumatic, you know, it's not like some of those divorces you hear about where they're just like screaming at each other. And, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the cops are getting called, like it wasn't anything like that. So, mm -hmm. um, so that was good, uh, overall. And, um, my dad was very frugal. Uh, so that was one, I think one very valuable thing that I learned from my dad in particular was frugality. Um, he was very, or is, he's kind of, frugal, but like to an extreme. So I've had to kind of correct back. Um, you know, my wife has, has helped me with that. She's frugal too, but she's also, you know, appreciates like living life, you know? So mm -hmm. she's, she's really helped me with that. And not just like, you don't have to save, you know, 70% of everything you earn, you know, now that kind of mindset, you know, having, cause I've, I've been able to have a roughly 50% savings rate the entire time I've been in the military. Nice. Um, so, you know, so like over 14 years, so, um, that has been very beneficial for me, like financially, just having that habit of frugality. So that's one thing I learned from my dad that was, 
that was uh, really beneficial. Um, but you know, not, not a big, not a big feelings guy. So that's been a, mm-hmm. something I've had to learn. Like it's kind of a downside. It's like, you know, it's okay to express emotion and all that kind of stuff. And my personality is very, um, I don't know how much of this is nature versus nurture, probably a lot of nature, but I'm very logical. Um, you know, on some of those personality tests, I'm like 10 on logical one on mm-hmm. emotions, you know, and I don't know how much, yeah. how much of that is like military as well, where it's just like, yeah. there is zero value in the military and like, well, tell me how that, you know, that flight we did, how did you feel when we were, you know, that doesn't matter, right? It's just like, how did it go? We need to, you know, here are the things that you messed up. Here's how we need to get better, you know, for the sake of the squadron, for the sake of the mission, et cetera. So it's like, I don't know how much of that is just me and how much of that is just beat into me from being military. Same with like communication, you know, like communication style, very direct, mm-hmm. uh, matter of fact, not, you know, it doesn't matter what your feelings are about something. It matters what happened and how we can get better, et cetera. So, um, yeah, definitely some pros and cons, like, like everyone, you know, learning from, from their parents and from their dad. But, um, you know, overall, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a alcoholic. I'm not, you know, so I think, uh, overall, I think they did a pretty good job. Awesome. Yeah. You're just a real estate addict. So that's a point. Yeah. Just a real estate addict. Now I did not learn any real estate stuff from them. So that was one thing that, you know, they taught me frugality and they were good at, they impressed upon me, you know, don't, don't have credit card debt. Don't, you know, like make sure you're living beneath your means, you know, basically Mm -hmm. the foundations of like getting to zero and staying above zero, but not how to build wealth. You know, it was more like, okay, put some, you know, put some money in like, money market or index funds. Like if you have some mm-hmm. left over, but that was pretty much the extent of that. So the, the, the real estate stuff I learned from like everyone else, you know, I read rich dad, poor dad, I think like in high school or something like, like a long time ago um, or, or college or something like pretty soon after it came out and, and then was introduced to bigger pockets probably back in like 2015, 2016, and then that's bigger pockets. That's how I started learning about it. And then I was like, damn, there's, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to be a gajillionaire to like own real estate. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that. So learning ab- about real estate through bigger pockets and then buying my first house and then seeing like, Oh wow. Like, you know, running the taxes, doing the taxes myself on the first property. I was like, wow, this is, this is really good. Like I, I understand mm-hmm. that, you know, what they're saying about this now. So then they just kind of got the bug from there. So didn't really learn building wealth from my parents, but they helped me get to zero and, and you know, and then start to save. So the, by, by the time I learned about real estate, I had some money saved up and I had good credit and all that stuff. So it really set a good foundation for me. That's something that my dad definitely did not teach me is generosity that I've had to kind of yeah. like, but Nico Bonnet has been huge with that because I, um, you know, when I first did my one sheet, it was like genuine contribution and it was a, it was nothing. And so that yeah. inspired me to, um, Cause I wasn't comfortable. Sorry, we're kind of going off something else here, but like, um, no, the, the, I wasn't as comfortable giving money away because like, I don't know where that's going. Like, is it, is it actually going to help someone or not? Like maybe in the future, I'll be involved with some kind or I have a buddy that's involved with some kind of charity where it's like, okay, I know where the money's going. Like, you know, I'm more comfortable yeah. giving money, but so I was like, okay, I can give my time. How can I give my time? And so like, I was like, I, this is what I'm going to do. And I started doing it last year is I give, my time to other military members looking to grow their uh, real estate portfolio, just learn about real estate. Mm-hmm. So I think last year I did a little over 53 hours of free mentoring for military folks. And I just, you know, whatever my, I think in my one sheet, I calculated that's like, I don't know, $190 an hour or something. So then I just count that as my 
genuine contribution for the year and it ended up being like $8,300 or, you know, something like that. Um, and then it's been like, awesome. I've really enjoyed doing that. But if it wasn't for GoBundance, I wouldn't have done something like that. And then now using my real estate knowledge to help others is like, you know, the compound effects of that long-term are like, I think a lot more than just giving $200 to some charity. So yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that kind of ties into what you were talking about with like generosity. And that's something I'm definitely going to do is like, it's important to give to people, whether it's time or money or, you know, some combination of both that's that I did not have growing up really. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, we didn't really have anything to give. So it was one of those, like we, we had a tendency to be the ones that people needed to give to uh, growing up. Um, and now it's, it's a blessing to be able to give to other folks. Uh, but I struggle the same thing with giving money. I always have struggled giving money just because I, uh, to your point, I don't, especially like it, I always feel for the person on the corner asking for help, right? Um, but I, I can't not, I cannot bring myself to give them money. I will gladly go buy you five bags of groceries um, right. for two hundred dollars before I give you ten, because I don't know where that ten is going to go. Right? And it's not hurting so, them or helping them. Exactly. Like I could be giving you money that's going to put you right around the corner to go buy some drugs, or we can go to the store. I can, you know, buy you a meal right now and prepare you, you know, yeah. for, for some stuff, you know, They're like, dude, I don't want these apples. <laughs> 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 I bought a guy once and I like it, it was a good humbling experience as well as an angering experience. So it took me a little while to get rid of the anger and, and not really anger, but frustration, irritation. Um, we were in Ohio, super cold outside. Um, I've always been one that likes to give. I, I just, I, even if I don't like probably to a fault when I was a paycheck to paycheck guy, because I mean, I, I was already spending all of my money. So, but I you know, give some away too. So that's, that's, I mean, I guess it's a plus. Um, no, I know it's a plus, but, uh, so I bought this guy, uh, gloves, socks, like he was a homeless guy walking around. I bought him some gloves. I bought him some socks. Um, and I bought him some food and, uh, like he had no gloves on his boots were all beat up and I handed him the stuff and he looks in and he's like, really, this, this is what I get. And then he walked away and I was like, wow, way to make me not want to help anybody ever again. But I realized like his, it took me a while, but like his mental state was somewhere way different than mine. Like, but it also taught me like, okay, well, what does he actually need? Clearly he didn't need, what's up buddy? Like clearly he didn't need gloves and socks. Like maybe I should have asked him, what is it? How can I best support you? Right. Because I just assumed instead of trying to figure it out and take care of him the way that he needed it. Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. Today, I have a, uh, a good friend of mine. We spent a solid week together doing some fun uh, Tony Robbins events event and uh, having, a, having a great time. But um, he is a, another uh, amazing dad to chat with, uh, fantastic business owner. I look forward to him kind of uh, sharing his, uh, his knowledge. So, uh, Anthony, I'm going to turn it over to you. Kind of give us an introduction, who you are, your family, kind of your business, and let's, uh, let's roll from there. I'm a business owner. I have... Uh, uh two martial arts schools and a gym. Our gym uh, specifically works with children. I used to work with children and adults, but one of my favorite quotes is it's easier to build strong children than to fix broken men. And that's by Frederick <laughs> Douglass. And I truly believe that. And I made, made it my mission in life to give par uh, parents and kids the tools to know that they are enough. So uh, hopefully, if anybody's watching this, I'm sure that you can have some good, solid takeaways. Now, some of my my background is uh, I'm a lifelong martial artist. Uh, I was an alternate for two Olympic Games. Uh, 
I was number one in the United States for about uh, 10 years in the sport of Taekwondo. I run two martial arts schools and we teach uh, boxing, Krav Maga, Taekwondo, and Jiu Jitsu, and Kali, but that's not what we really teach. What we really teach is character development. So what when uh, prior to starting this podcast, we were talking about my specialty. My specialty is to work on uh, the psychology of children, giving them the tools, the 80% between the ears, not the 20%, which is their mechanics. I made it a mission that my goal for the kids was not to compare. Uh, as well as sport is important. I have a beautiful wife who is a, a fourth degree black belt. She was a World University Games silver medalist in Taekwondo. We met over 20 years ago. Um, my my daughter is, a, uh, is the youngest black belt we've ever had in our school. Uh, obviously, by default, it's not because of, of nepotism, but because uh, in the Graf family, we are about consistency and uh, they are not allowed to miss a day. It's more important that they are consistent because at the end of the day, they need to have those 10,000 hours in and they're going to realize that the difference makes uh, of, of whoever it is, whether in, in, be in business or whether it be in sport, if you put more time in, you will get further ahead. Um, and okay, and my wife, she's a, a, a martial artist and also a, a fantastic photographer. We are both uh, really into fitness. Our house, mm -hmm. house is, a, um, is a gym, spa, uh, whatever you want to call it, because all we do is care about our wellness and trying to get ourselves better. And not only do we do it for ourselves, but we do it because we know that the kids are watching. When did yeah. you finally get to learn that about your dad? Um, I was an adult. I was definitely older before I, I learned any of it, right? So, and that's when I really started to click in my brain, like, wow, I didn't realize, you know, growing up, it was one of those, oh, my dad just doesn't understand this, or he just doesn't care about that, and blah, blah, blah. And then he realized later on, like, he was doing the absolute best he possibly could with what he was given. He had no good framework to be a good dad. So, you know, he provided for us and he, you know, he, he worked and that was what he knew to do. Like he did, he never beat us. He never hit us. He gave, you know, he provided a roof over our head that that was a success in his brain, you know? Um, and it's so that's funny never what he that. saw. So, and it's so challenging when, uh, you know, when a, a father passes too soon and somebody's not able to ha get that moment with, and I, and I yeah. see that moment with my father, because my father had like this, this, uh, you know, pain toward his dad. Um, and obviously his dad was like, I'm talking pre world war two, like mm -hmm. born in the 1900s. I mean, like he, like he carried a knife with him. My father, my, my dad never opened up about this stuff, but my aunt told me that, you know, you know, one day he came home and he cut my father, you know, with a knife. Cause they carried knives back then. I don't know if you ever thought like watched world war two stuff. And like, mm -hmm. like everybody carried a knife like that. Like they, there was a, that was a part of the culture and um and he cut my father you know but my father is like a now empathy he's probably a jerk teen right coming at you know mm -hmm. trying to tune whatever it may be and probably be put in his place but my he died in my, on my in my dad's arms his his father when he was 22 wow. and um I, I just think about like gee, 22 prior what a you're still an adolescent and you don't have this ability to forgive or understand. I can only imagine that he made it another 20 years. He, like my father's perspective may have shifted, right? He could have had these conversations like I did this with him. But, you know, it, my, when I had these conversations with my dad for the first time, 
it was when we drove to Colorado and I went out to the Olympic training center and I was, I was uh, 19 years old. And that's when like things shifted with me in my life because I, I was able to actually listen to my dad's side and um, I can only empathize because he never was able to uh, get that experience with his father. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like yeah, I can only yeah. imagine that the, the, you know, the machismo, uh, right, I'm using a Spanish word, right. Of a, yeah. of, of a man who was born in the 1800s, uh, you know, trying to open up to his son. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Until you become a broken man and you're close to death. And then you can get kind of like start to do that. But that's the challenging part. Right. Um, but, Oh yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot. But no, eventually I, I totally get that because when, as we're older men and I asked you because I, I have a very similar story and I figured by the time we start understanding it, we are, you know, they, the adolescent brain develops to the age of 24. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we start to hear the story, we're closer to either men or we're closer to men. And we understand yeah. the perils of men and the idea of being a provider and, you know, understanding that this is in my nature to be here for somebody else. And sometimes we have this hindsight and we don't think about feelings. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. For sure. And we don't, we don't want but, to talk about it at that point either, right? Because we've got so much testosterone flowing through our body. It's like, I'm t- talking about my feelings you, out of your mind, you know? And then, of course, that testosterone leads to the more disdain for what's going on. And it just, what a mess, you know? It's a, if we can break the cycle early and have that conversation early, that's all the better, right? We have Jamie Gruber on the podcast today. So Jamie and I have known each other for, I don't know, like, I don't know, five years, something like that, with between a couple of different masterminds that we've been in. Um, but uh, I'm really excited to have Jamie on. Uh, you know, he's another GoBundance guy, another uh, another real estate uh, business owner, that type of guy. So to to kick it off, Jamie, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, uh, what kind of business uh, slash businesses uh, you're involved in. I am almost 13 year happily married man. My wife Sylvia uh, and I met each other while working together in Boston. She actually worked for me, and then I claimed her because that's mm, just very this good. is how I roll. Yeah. We have two young boys, eight and five, uh, Sebastian, both, yeah, both boys. Uh, Sebastian's eight, Julian's five. We have this little family thing. We call ourselves the G4, uh, the Gruber Four, and each of us is born in a different place. So I'm born in New York. My wife was born in the Dominican Republic. My first son was born in Boston. My second son was born in Michigan. But fun fact, if you consider your dog's children, we have two of those as well that are 13 and 11. <laughs> they also were born in Boston. So we have three of the G6 in Boston. But of the human G4, mm-hmm. there's, uh, nobody lives in the same place. So that's us. We are, um, we are a, at this point, I guess, a nomadic family. We can get into that. And we, yeah, we enjoy a lot of time together. As far as my businesses, so my first business is, or the top of my funnel, if you will, to, in, in my world is I host the Tribe of Millionaires podcast. It's in partnership with GoBundance. I've been a member for four plus mm-hmm. years, and a lot has happened in my life that I credit GoBundance for. So I've partnered up and have done some, I have some businesses with them. So people get to know me through the podcast. When they know me and like me enough, they tend to join uh, uh, the Emerge, GoBundance Emerge community, which I own. So GoBundance Emerge is sort of the feeder program for future millionaires. We create whole life millionaires, I like to say, and people will join that. From there, I'm partnered with Quantum Capital. We invest in value add, distressed BC class, workforce housing, multifamily housing uh, in Denver, Austin, a little bit in LA. And that's kind of the funnel of my business, if you will, or all of my businesses in one funnel. And that's 
I think the nutshell of it. So one thing I did not ask you about, but uh, it, it helped open up the door a little bit and understanding, you know, who you are. Tell me a little bit about your dad, kind of your upbringing, how that worked. Uh, you know, um, what did he do? Tell me about just kind of your life growing up uh, with your father. Yeah, my dad was uh, a plumber. He's still alive. He's 75 years old. Uh, he was a plumber. He worked. At, we lived on Long Island when I was first born until about the age of 10, I think. Then we moved to upstate New York. Um, but he he was hardworking. I mean, that's what he did. My dad was probably very, very, uh, I don't know, standard for the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s dad in some ways. Stoic, you know, mom took care of the kids. Dad didn't. Dad worked a lot. Um, da- dad was was the disciplinarian. You had to choose your own strap, you know, if you uh, if you screwed up. It wasn't, you know, it, I, I, I find in life that your memory as a child of your upbringing and your parents' memory of your upbringing, like they're both wrong. There's the truth lies somewhere in between. Like what I would see and then say to yeah. them, they'd be like, no, that's not what it was. Like they're not wrong. I'm not wrong, but the truth lies somewhere in between. So to me, when he got mad, man, that belt came out and it was like, you know, 20 lashings, but it was probably like two, three swats on the butt. And then it was over, but mm-hmm. it, it was terrifying at that age, but that was him. He was, he was, uh, we actually said to my parents, my mom at one point, my mom told the story recently, me and my sister said to my mom, does dad have any teeth? Cause he just wouldn't smile. Not that he wasn't a happy guy or whatever, but he's not a very, he's not a very outspoken dude. He doesn't talk a lot. And, uh, he'd come home. I mean, he worked, I don't know, 16 hour days, right. And he'd come home for dinner and he'd just sit at the end of the table. Mom made the food, put it on the table. She cooked, she cleaned. He just, you know, ate and brought the money home. And he would just eat his mm-hmm. food. He wouldn't say anything. Just kind of be there. Um, doesn't mean I didn't have interactions, but you know, we play. I remember going to a football game with me, coming to my soccer games from time to time. But he was very much my parents, both of them, very much believed in a wide gap between the parent and the child. And meaning, you know, like this is parent stuff. You are children. My mother's fam- famous saying is, "Children are to be seen, not heard." Um, and that we mm-hmm. lived that way. We lived that way. Kid, you know, we had a fun life. We like a lot of people say today at our age, like, oh, I would leave at eight o'clock in the morning in the summer. I'd be home at seven o'clock at night. Like yeah. parents didn't know where I was. That was my life. But my dad was, yeah, he was stoic, um, hardworking. He was a disciplinarian. He also spoiled us heavily because he grew up. His dad was a heavy gambler, heavy drinker. Uh, he had five siblings. He was the second of six. Um, he didn't have any stability at home. He lived with teachers. He lived with friends. Like there was just no stability at home. So I think something that he valued heavily was creating a stable home for us. And part of that was anything we wanted. I wanted a Nintendo. I got the Nintendo. My sister wanted a ring. She got the ring. Like it wasn't, it, what was he making? 40 grand a year? I mean, back then, that's good living, but it's not like, you know, we weren't rich. We were middle class, mm-hmm. but he would find a way all the time. He would, he would, Spoil, spoil, spoil. That was his thing. That was how he showed love, how he felt like he, cause he had nothing. He wanted to give us everything. But that was him. Still is. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So what, uh, pulling, pulling back from that, kind of what did you, uh, cause you are not, uh, quiet. Um, you're, no. you're not, uh, uh, we, we, we all know you have teeth. You know, you like to smile, you like to talk, you like too. to go out and do that kind of. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For those of you only listening, yes, he's showing off his big white teeth. So I have big um, teeth. Man. But uh, uh, tell me, tell me, like, what what is it that you think, especially now? So for me. Uh, once I became an adult, I kind of started looking at things a little bit differently and understanding where my dad came from. It really um, helped me understand a little bit more about who he is and who he was and why he was the way he was, um, which helped kind of impact me as far as being a father and where where I'm looking at. So. Um, 
Uh, have you had a similar thought process looking back at, at your dad and who he was and where he came from as to why he did what he did and like some sort of a, um, I, I don't want to say reckoning because like, I forgot who, who the way it's said or what, what it is, but like when you're, when you're real young, you uh, idolize your, your dad. Um, as you grow up, you start to, you know, disdain, you, know, you have some disdain for your father as, you know, you go through your teenage years and early twenties, that type of thing. And then, and then you start to understand and then you relate and then you, you know, you're, you're back to kind of idolizing again. Um, you know, it, it, I don't, I'm, I'm butchering that, but it no, took me a while you. going through that to really understand who my dad was and help me kind of put some perspective on life. Did you have a, a, any similar moments or anything like that? Kids did it. Yeah, my dad and I didn't have a, a an estranged relationship in any way. Again, mm -hmm. when we were when I was a kid, um, he was just disciplined. When I got into my teenage years, you know, I just didn't I didn't want my parents around. Honestly, like you know, so you know, he, he yeah. abided by that. You know, he was good about it. I mean, I, he was around, but my point, I don't know. I, you know, they're not cool, right? Like that's what you're doing in teenage years. Yeah. And as I, I became an adult, um, yeah, you know, we just we have a good relationship to this day. We have a good relationship. When I when I got when I became a dad, I you know I could. I'm sure all of us have this experience where I can hear myself when I'm when I'm disciplining my kids or yelling at my kids or talking to my kids, right? Like yeah. I can hear myself. I sound exactly like my father. But I I guess I could have never understood or or um I could have never appreciated the amount of fear that there is in being a father. So I feel it. That's how I feel. When I when somebody mm -hmm. says like oh, my my kid the other day, we're walking down the street on the sidewalk, my five year old, and I am a hawk on that kid, especially him with walking on the sidewalk. It's kind of close to the road. You know, it's not a busy road, but you know, there's cars that go by. And if he steps even a little bit off the sidewalk, I freak. And my wife is always like, calm down. Yeah. It's going to be fine. But it's fear. So my dad would freak out on us. And at the time I just thought like, ah, he's just like angry. My God, you know, like what is there to be so angry about? But again, he values his family, he valued his family so much yeah. that I, it's fear, you know, and I have the same issue. Like I, I, the idea that my kid gets hit by a car with uh, right in front of me, that image, that crazy, disgusting, psychotic mm -hmm. image, is it scares the heck out of me. And because it scares the heck out of me, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't ever want to see that happen. So I will react with rage <laughs> or anger <laughs> or whatever. But I'll react probably poorly or yeah. overreact in that moment. And for them, I can imagine it's the same as I felt. Like God, Dad's always yelling, you know, in that situation. It's like, nah, dad's, dad's scared. I've, and the difference is I've explained that to my kids. I don't know if they get it or if they care, but at least I've yeah. said it. My father never, never, I didn't get a, you know, there was no birds and the bees conversation. There was nothing. My dad wasn't that guy. Mm -hmm. My dad was, you were born, you got a room, you got clothes, leave me alone. Right? Like that was kind of his, yeah. his, uh, his yeah. way of looking at it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think understanding that fear and, and relating to him from that perspective, you know, like, wow. All right. So this guy was just scared. Whenever I did something stupid that could get me hurt. Yeah. He was scared. You know, he wasn't mad to be mad. He was scared. He was afraid for me. So that was a yeah. big epiphany. I have a, uh, a fellow, uh, veteran, um, father, uh, real estate investor, uh, you know, business, uh, business minded guy. I'm really looking forward to getting to know Stu a little bit better. Um, but, uh, we got Stu Grazier on the podcast. Uh, Stu, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little about your family, a little bit about your business, and then we'll kind of go from there. Stu Grazier. Uh, I am a, a husband, uh, to my beautiful bride, uh, Crystal. We've been married. Uh, August will be our 15th year anniversary. Um, and then I, we have two amazing children, uh, eight-year-old daughter. Her name is Collins and a five-year-old son. His name is Wells. 
Or if you ask him, it's he's five and a half. You got to make sure that the course, half yeah, is in there. It needs to be there. And, uh, you know, I've dedicated my life to, to really, um, you know, being the best husband, the best father, um, and just better, the best leader that I could possibly be in the community. I'm a veteran. I, I retired from the uh, the Navy after 20 years of service uh, last June of uh, 22. Congrats. Awesome. Thanks, man. So I, I flew uh, helicopters for about 10 years, and then I transitioned and uh, flew uh, C-40s or like a Boeing 737 uh, as well. And then lastly, like you said, real estate investor, uh, own uh, multiple businesses, uh, started doing investing when I was uh, right out of college in, my, in flight school. Uh, in Pensacola, I started investing in real estate, and uh, I've tried about every asset, every niche, every strategy uh, that I could possibly do. Uh, I've failed a lot. Uh, I've learned a lot. Uh, but somewhere along those lines, I've, I've found some success in a few things, too. So uh, happy to talk about uh, kind of you know managing businesses uh, while active duty uh, mm-hmm. and you know, managing businesses uh, while being uh, you know, a focused uh, husband and dad. So you mentioned yeah. a, uh, um, that your parents went through a divorce um, when you were a kid. Tell me a little bit about your dad and the divorce and how that kind of, uh, you know, if, if you know, how you thought about it then, how you think about it now, kind of what kind of impacts that had on you. Yeah, man. Um, I'll, I'll probably get a little bit vulnerable here, but that's okay. Um, yeah. So my, my parents divorced when I was five years old. Um, you know, at the time, uh, you know, didn't, didn't really know what to think about it, what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had uh, split and, um, you know, he, my dad ended up deciding to, uh, to move to a different state. And so they had, you know, kind of visiting rights. So I would, uh, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with my dad because he had moved away. So my mom had full custody. Um, and uh, so, you know, for a long time, my mom was just a, a single mom uh, with two kids um, and I have a younger sister. And she did everything for us. You know, she she ran everywhere. We were super active in our schools. We had lots of extracurricular activities, uh, lots of sports. Both both my sister and I were, were big into sports and playing about anything and everything, you know, we could try. She was just running all over the place. So she was an amazing mom. Um, and uh, and then I would go and see my dad. Um, you know, summers, we'd go spend a, a month with him. Uh, he lived in New Mexico at the time. I lived in Texas at the time. Uh, and then we'd go, like, we'd, you know, a week during Christmas and then a month in the summertime. And, um, you know, over time, um, you know, it, it's hard, it's hard to not have a father figure in your life, mm-hmm. um, for, you know, especially in those, those, you know, those early years where there's so much, um, that a dad can be there for, right. To, mm-hmm. to be there, to support you in your sports, to, you know, show a boy how to, you know, do you know, man stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so eventually my mom did remarry. Uh, she remarried when I was 12 years old. Um, and we ended up moving, uh, to central Texas. Um, my, my stepfather, he'd already had kids. He was a little bit older. So he had, uh, he had kind of, had kind of gone through the round of, of being a dad and, and having kids. And, you know, he was supportive, you know, he'd show up to, uh, my, my baseball games and, and football games and, uh, be there, but he wasn't like incredibly engaged, you know, he mm-hmm. wasn't going to be like taking me out and showing me how to you know, fix a flat tire on, on my car and, and, you know, change the engine oil and, you know, kind of stuff like that. Right. So he was, he was, he was, uh, he was physically present, but maybe not, uh, fully like intentionally, mentally present. Yeah, emotionally the there. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, it was just normal for me and I just continued to, to go through life. I, uh, ended up, um, going to the Naval Academy. My, my stepdad did kind of, um, support me and, and push me to help me, um, you know, go, 
go uh, be a pilot in the Navy. Um, he was very supportive in that. He helped me a lot with that, um, probably because it was a free education and he, so he didn't mm-hmm. have to pay for uh, college. So he was re- super supportive of that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he was, he was, uh, you know, super helpful with that kind of stuff. Um, and, um, you know, I think not oh, until later I, I on in warned. life point is, you know, I, I didn't know, I thought that was normal, right. Mm-hmm. As, as, uh, you know, a kid with divorced parents, having step parents, and that just kind of became my normal. Um, you know, later on in life, I think uh, when I actually had some time to reflect on it all, and, and when, when I say later on in life, I'm, I'm talking like the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking back on it, I realized that there was a lot of impact there. Um, you know, there was a lot of uh, hurt, a lot of disappointment, a lot of, um, you know, times where I, you know, where I wish there was uh, a father figure in my life. Um, and it really made me uh, think about how I'm showing up now for my kids. For sure. um, and it was really, you know, uh, my own transition out of the military to kind of civilian life. Um, you know, I was, I was so nervous about the transition and I felt like we were pretty set up. You know, we had started real estate investing a long time ago. We had, you know, property, passive income, you know, fully, you know, financially free, had completely Mm -hmm. replaced our military income from a financial standpoint. Um, It's pretty set up, but there was a lot of other things, um, you know, so I was so focused on like building businesses and like, and I got kind of lost and um, I wasn't showing up like I should show up as as a husband, as a a father um, for about a two year period. Um, you know, for a long time, man, like my kids just saw me like this, right? Like yeah. just had the, had the cell phone in front of my face for those that are just listening. And, you know, I was always taking phone calls, raising money for real estate deals or on social media or, or replying to emails. And yeah. I finally kind of woke up one day and, um, I like looked at myself and, and I looked at what my life would be like in 10 years down the road. I, I was being coached by an individual and, and he put me through that, uh, exercise of like, Hey, if you do what you're doing now, look 10 years down the road and what would that look like for you if you don't change anything with your life? And I did that and it wasn't good, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we were financially free, had, you know, we were building wealth. We were good with that, but I didn't have a relationship with my kids. I didn't have a relationship with my wife. Um, I was, I was out of shape. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't have a relationship uh, with my God. You know, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. And I kind of stopped like reading the Bible in the mornings and praying and all this kind of stuff because I was so focused on building wealth and creating income and building our businesses that all the other stuff that I said was important. And I said that I was what I was doing yeah. for kind of got away from me. So that's a, that's a long answer to your question, but I think coming back to it, you know, I, I think it's really, really important as a dad uh, to make sure that you don't get so focused on on the business side of things that it has an impact for sure um, on your family life. Yeah, I mean the separation from your father um, when when there was a divorce and not really having that like was that all part of that thought process? Like was it like oh I I see myself becoming that that level of a father figure or or was that not really in that calculus? What like looking at your dad in that situation? Yeah, that's, it's good, man. So, you know, I, I knew that I never wanted, um, to, you know, to leave my family. I never wanted to Mm -hmm. go through a divorce. I I knew that, you know, way ahead of time because I I knew like what my experience was, um, as a, as a child. 
Um, and I didn't ever want that for my kids. And so I knew from day one of getting married, like, like through thick or thin, like we're going to make it work. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that, but, um, what I thought, you know, going through this, this reflection, what I thought I was doing was going to be good for the family. Um, but, you know, considering my own reflections and my own time, not having a, a father figure, not having a dad, not having time. Um, I wasn't, I knew I wasn't giving that exact same thing that I was wanting in my life. I want, mm-hmm. I wanted time with my dad. Like I don't, I could have cared, cared less, like what toys, what vacations, what fancy house, what, you know, materialistic things. Like I wanted time with my dad and time equals love. And I didn't have that. And, you know, I was so focused on creating these businesses and wealth and income that I lost focus on just providing time for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of all a part of it. Um, I realized that, you know, I wasn't giving any time to my kids because I was waking up at 4 a.m. while I was still active duty native and going 4 a.m. to, you know, 6.30 a.m. working on real estate, then going to my Navy job from 7 you know, a.m. to 4 p.m., 5 p.m. at night, and then coming home, saying hi, eating some dinner, and then going right back to getting on phone calls, answering yeah. emails, doing social media, whatever. So, like, I was giving them zero time, maybe like an hour at dinner. Um, and it wasn't, and it was like, I was physically there, but I wasn't presently there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, emotionally there. And that was the same thing, you know, in a different aspect that I received when I was a kid. So, I didn't want to do that. And so, like, I had to, you know, I had to make a lot of changes pretty quickly uh, once I kind of had that aha moment of like, kind of, you know, looking at my life, like ask myself, what am I doing? What's like, what's this all for? Right. What's, yeah. what's creating business and wealth and income and all this, you know, like my kids don't care about that. They just want me present, man. Um, so one of my know, we, we changed a lot of things sorry. in our business um, and changed a lot of things on my calendar and, uh, you know, so made some, made some big changes. <laughs> We have uh, AJ Anderson on the podcast. Looking forward to getting into his story. A uh, fellow business owner, of course, and dad. Uh, hence, he's on the Biz Dad podcast. So, uh, AJ, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us about uh, your family um, and your business, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. So, I'm a 38 year old young man from northern Wisconsin, uh, currently living in Nashville, Tennessee. With uh, my wife of uh, seven years, I think this this September. <laughs> Hopefully, she's not uh, listening and go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I met her ten years ago. It's our ten year anniversary meeting. Uh, we have a uh, year and a half year old daughter. Uh, year and a half. Year and a half old. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, uh, who we, we lived in LA for ten years, and she was born in LA, and then we moved to Nashville and. Um, living happily in Nashville, a uh, beautiful area. Um, I started, I worked in the automotive industry pretty much my, my whole career, um, starting with an energy drink from Coca- that Coca-Cola owned, um, running the marketing in the Midwest to managing race car drivers to working for large wheel cor- corporations or owned by private equity. Um, and in 2018, 17, I believe it was, I found myself at a PR agency in LA, uh, helping them build out their digital business unit. Basically, how can we, you know, leverage um, new uh, capabilities to get additional funds out of clients, uh, digital advertising and whatnot. So I built that for a year. And at the end of the year, some other things happened. 2018, I started Wild Lives Media. 
And we, we primarily started as a social media agency and quickly realized that if I could take your $1,000 and give you 4000 back um, from an advertising perspective on a month, it became a lot easier to get clients mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to just saying, your brand's going to look cool on social. You're going to have a yeah. lot of impressions. We operate in a world of money today. We have between a team in the U.S. and a team in Canada, we have about 14, 15 employees, 26, 27 clients or so. Um, We'll do about a million and a half this year in revenue uh, for ourselves and probably 30 to 40 million for clients anyways, client revenue. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride for sure. Most of the growth came in... November, December, January of this last year, 22 to 23, things just okay. really exploded. Tell me a little bit about uh, kind of you, uh, you growing up, um, you know, your, your, uh, your situation with your, your dad, um, and just learn a little bit about some yeah. of your background. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my situation was kind of bizarre. It's probably not unlike a lot of people's situations, but, uh, you know, I was born out of wedlock. Uh, my mother met a man who promised her the world and turns out he had another family and, uh, you know, he was going to leave them for her, blah, blah, blah. never happened. So, you know, I, I probably remember five instances of ever even being around my dad, probably. <laughs> yeah, he's back. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so, and then for a few years, he would send, you know, money on birthdays and Christmases, but that's mm-hmm. pretty much it, you know? So I wouldn't say I had like a super, I didn't have any like, you know, crazy instances with him or like yeah. fallouts or any, any like sort of abuse or anything just wasn't there, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, that's fine. You know, I had the opportunity to, to reconnect with him, uh, a while ago and I chose not to, yeah. um, I just thought, you know, my the memories that I had were probably, you know, fine, fine enough. <laughs> and then uh, my mother met my stepfather when I was nine or so, and he was a Vietnam vet. He had pretty extensive PTSD, and uh, it was <laughs> some life lessons. Um, yeah, some cool stuff came along with that, um, but also like really, really tough. It was tough. From nine to when I left at 18 for college, you know, he was just, we just did not get along, you know, never, never any like, you know, physical abuse or anything, but just, I just stayed clear of him. You know, if he was upstairs, Mm -hmm. I would go downstairs and it was just not a great way to grow up, honestly. Um, But my mom was cool. And then my, my sister was uh, quite a bit older. So when I was younger, she kind of raised me. Uh, and then my grandparents as well. Like I would spend a lot of time with my grandpa and grandma who were very like salt of the earth, genuine, mm-hmm. honest people. My grandpa ran a plumbing business that my grandpa also worked for. So, yeah, I mean, I just kind of, it was just a lot of voids, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, I had to fill. You know, I got really into BMX and snowboarding and, you know, independent sports. I spent a lot of time skipping school to go snowboarding, go on trips with friends, riding BMX. You know, I got to kind of travel the, the country and the world doing that um, and just kind of learn things my own way, honestly. And that's really how I've kind of applied everything to my life is I just need to, I need to learn it my own way at this point. Mm-hmm. Man, that's just, <clears throat> excuse me. That's uh yeah. You know, as sadly as it is, you said at the beginning, it's not unlike some other people growing up. Sure. Right. But it's, uh, it still breaks my heart every time to hear stories that, like that, right? And a, a kid growing up in a not uh, not great environment, and 
we see it all the time. I was in uh, federal law enforcement for a long time, so I got to see a lot of a lot of crazy things. And then you know, doing. I mean, there's literally one case I, uh, where we took a, a sleeping child off of a pillow, and there was a loaded gun underneath it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't understand how how parents do things that they do. Um, but like, what a blessing that it is that I didn't have a dad that did certain things, you know? And like, I look at your situation and go, I don't, you know, as, uh, you, you've said no abuse or things like that, but it's like, man, like just to, just to not have a father around, like, how do you feel that like impacted you not having your, your, uh, your actual dad around? And then how did it impact you? You think, um, having a, a stepfather around who was also not a, yeah what seeming to be a, a great influence in your life at all so yeah um you know not having a dad around at, at this point in my life I, you know it's weird because like maybe i need more therapy but yeah you know, I, I don't think it you know on the outset affected me um as much as it probably could have or should have you know i think mm -hmm. that i got on just fine um yeah, I'm sure there's some deep rooted you know, things. People had a lot of bad dads growing up, you know, who were who were abusive or played games, you know, psychological games and stuff. And I think I'm I was way better off just not having one around mm -hmm. than that, in my opinion. Um, but then, you know, my stepfather, um, he I did learn a lot from him. You know, I think he he was he meant well. He was very nice to my mother. Um, you know, I learned a lot of little things here and there, some of which we'll talk about uh, as we get into the business side of things. But um, it was just challenging. You know, I think it it that actually presented a lot of psychological things that I, you know, I'm still dealing with today, like mm -hmm. feeling like I need to uh, tell white lies to just get out of situations, you know, like little things here and there that like, I just learned it growing up. So I wouldn't have to deal with someone who was ready to explode, like just start screaming at any second. Um, so I would just avoid a lot of things constantly, you know, mm -hmm. or I would do whatever I needed to do, right. To survive and get out of that situation. But, um, you know, I would also say though, that a lot of how I operate in terms of March to my own um, drummer mm -hmm. uh, come from him as well, though. You know, I think he very much so, you know, he was in trouble with the law over the years and, and um, he very much so believed in like not uh, fully following something blindly just because it's a rule or law, but like, what's the reason behind it? Like, do I actually believe in that? Um, so, you know, things like <laughs> we would go, he was a fishing guide in Northern Wisconsin. So we would go fishing and he never listened to the limits, you know, about you can only catch whatever mm -hmm. 12 perch and three walleye or whatever. He would just do whatever he wanted. And there would be a lot of instances in which I'm getting in the truck and he's arguing with the, the department of natural resources officer that we're just taking off down the street while the guy's chasing, you know, like little things like that, you know? And I think that's had a positive effect on me because I just, I really try to look at everything and like, is this, like, why is this exist? Why is this mm -hmm. exist? Is that right or wrong? Should I push back on this? Should I, you know, of course they say no refunds for a flight cancellation, but if I push on them and explain why they're wrong, you know, then they'll yeah. refund me, you know, like little things like that. I really kind of, I owe to him, I think. So, yeah. um, there's a lot there, both sides. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I think one thing that you said kind of stuck out to me was like you compared yourself to other people's experience <clears throat> as opposed to just looking at your own, which I think a lot of us have a tendency to do anyways, right? Well, I'm better off than that person was. Um, uh, and 
I, I love to push back a little bit on, <clears throat> on things like that because it's like, okay, well, that, that's great, but where, where could we still improve if we looked back on it and say, okay, well, I, because of these situations, I do these things that I don't like, like you, which you went into later, right? Like the white lie yeah. type of thing. And you actually brought me to, um, I'm going to forget his name right now. Ah, Ed Milet. So Ed Milet talked about how when his dad would come home, um, he was he was a drunk and he would come home and he was like, I I had to learn how to read my dad so I knew which dad I was talking to. Am I talking to the drunk dad or am I talking to the sober dad? Am I talking to the drunk dad to try to keep him away from the alcohol cabinet or am I talking to the sober? Like, what do I need to do in this situation? What things do I need to say in this situation to redirect what's going on? You know, and it, it kind yeah. of... It, just figuring out how to take the pressure off of you or your siblings or your, your mom or whoever, you know, um, for whoever's listening, like whatever situation. Um, and, uh, obviously not the most healthy way to, to work through things. And, you know, it, it's what you have to do in those situations. But later on in life, I couldn't imagine the, the weight that kind of has, but, you know, it makes me wonder now, you know, as I'm saying out loud, like, what do I do? because of the things that i learned you know with, yeah. with my dad so now i'm gonna have to do some self-reflection like you said maybe need some more therapy we'll see it's <laughs> yeah and then oftentimes this stuff doesn't you know become uncovered until you have you know additional yeah. you know issues down the road that cause you to think back or, or or go to therapy which is obviously a great tool um to utilize yeah. uh yeah there's, it's, it's interesting to think about right yeah it is it's uh you know uh, the secret to the, I think it's secrets to the millionaire mind, or was it, uh, uh, no, it was, uh, ah, I'm forgetting the name of the book right now, but I love it. Uh, I love the book. Can't remember it. So it, it like talking about how you think about money, um, and where it comes from and why, why you think about it the way you do. But it, like, I apply it a lot in other parts of my life. Like usually people th- use money the same way they saw their parents use money or the same way other people sure. around them have used money. It's just, um, kind of how, like if, if nobody taught you any different then you just you know, whatever you caught growing up is how you do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I started to apply that a lot to the rest of my life too. Okay. What, like it was very eye opening for me on why I did things the way I did with my money and why my wife did things the way she did. Cause she was a saver. Um, and I was a spender. Um, you know, she would just kind of hoard her money because her mom was born and raised in Cuba, you know? So she was just kind of raised like you, you, you save your money. You just, cause you never know what's going to happen. Right. Like, you know, yeah, when the government's going to take over and take, take control right. of bank accounts. And I just saw my parents spend their, spend their money paycheck to paycheck. So I, we could not have been much polar opposites on the financial side, but now thankfully she, she turned me around, but, um, <laughs> looking at the same thing growing up and say, okay, well, how did I learn to do this thing as a dad? Or how did I learn to do, why is it that I react this way to my kids and it goes back usually to how i saw my parents react to certain <laughs> things or how i you know whatever it is so um as exhausting as those exercises are i think they're always fun and good and healthy for us to do because again it goes back to what you were saying why it why is that rule in place or why am i doing what i'm doing because now i'm creating rules sure. with my kids is that rule because that's just what we did like you know uh my i i, I said something about my kid to my kids like no singing at the table and my wife asked me later, she's like, why, why no singing at the table? I said, well, I don't know. That's just what my parents always said. We're not allowed to sing at the table. I don't, I honestly don't know why yeah. there's no singing at the table. I really don't understand. Right. So right, right, like, right. I had to reassess that rule and go, you know what? We love singing in this family. Let's sing at the table. I don't care. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that's so uh, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. There's, there's been actually quite a few instances of that for me where I'm like hard lined about something with my child and, and my wife would be like, well, why? And I'm like, oh. I don't actually know why. Like you're right. Like, mm-hmm. One, um, 
so yeah, that's that's been really interesting. And the other thing I wanted to mention too was in terms of like uncovering learned traits from families, like it's a lot of work to dive into that, but it mm-hmm. certainly is better to do that work and find figure it out like, oh, for sure. before before it has to come up from an issue, right, with a spouse yeah. or with a business partner or something, you know. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.